0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 36 called Allie and Joshua. Okay, so in July of 2014, I walked into Joshua Klein's doctor's office at RMA in Brooklyn, and I was pretty much in shambles emotionally I had had four miscarriages, I didn't know what to do next. Somebody had recommended this practice to me, so I went to check it out, I went by myself. Vince wasn't fully on board yet, but I met Dr. Klein and we had a great meeting and I left that meeting feeling pretty optimistic about next steps. So in today's episode, over five years later, I go to Dr. Klein's new practice, which we'll talk about, And I got to interview him, and I got to ask him all the questions that I've been wanting to kind of ask him for the past four years since we had Sonny. He was great. It was so good to see him. As you know, our story did have a happy ending, so it was just cool to kind of unpack what we had both been through together as doctor and patient, and it was a lot of fun to see him, and we learn about his new practice We talk about my specific case and how batshit crazy I was at certain points. And it was so good to talk to him and kind of do my story again with the doctor's perspective peppered in. So it might be fun if you haven't listened to my episode yet to go back to episode one where I tell my story, listen to that, and then listen to this episode and get the other kind of side of it or the behind the scenes almost part of it. And yeah, so this is part two of my infertility story with Dr. Joshua Klein. And I want to thank him again for doing this. It was it was so interesting. And I kind of feel like I have full closure now on that chapter of my life. So without further ado, this is Allie and Joshua's infertility story. Dr. Klein.
1: (laughs) Hi. So good to see you after all
0: these years. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. We'll get into our whole story together, but before we start, why don't you tell the listeners who you are, what you're doing, and we're at your facility now, so tell me what goes on here.
2: Yeah, it's great to see you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, So my name is Josh Klein. I am a reproductive endocrinologist, so I'm a fertility doctor, and my sort of little story is that I worked at one of the large academically affiliated uh, fertility clinics in the New York City area which is where I met Allie Mm -hmm. and uh, and had the good fortune of participating in that great experience and I worked there for several years and I think there's a lot about the fertility journey uh, as Allie I think covers in different ways uh, on this podcast well I should say as you
1: yes since you're sitting next to me Um,
2: but uh, there's a lot that's sort of miserable and uh, my thought in sort of leaving a big established place and and starting a new practice uh, was to try to address some of the misery. Some of it's easier to address than others. And uh, we, you know, work hard to try to be better every day. But basically I left this uh, big IVF practice to start a place called Extend Fertility. Extend was founded uh, with egg freezing and fertility preservation in the middle of its universe. And so we focus a lot on that. We have also, uh, in the last year or so, started doing more and more regular IVF and infertility treatment. Um, We also have women who have frozen their eggs with us that are coming back to talk to us about using them. We've had a Mm -hmm. few people who have thawed their eggs and gotten pregnant from their frozen eggs. And so uh, I spend a lot of my time thinking about egg freezing, but also thinking about how we can make the fertility journey less miserable. Yes. (laughs) And we can pick that apart. (laughs)
0: Absolutely, and we'll talk about how you did that for me because you were so great to work with, and I've said that before, and I said that in my story. I emailed you a lot, and I'm going to read some of the emails, if you don't mind, later. Oh, no. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no, they're good. They're good. <laughs> but I do want to say, just sitting in this waiting room, a couple things. First of all, it's so busy. Yeah. So a lot of women are doing this, yeah. right? So, Tom, yeah. do you have, like, statistics or how many? What so, have you guys...
2: Yeah, we we, we uh, got pretty big pretty fast. We're still not one of the, the heaviest hitters uh, in the fertility world. You know, when you think about fertility clinics, there's sort of three buckets, I'd say. There's the small... Uh, more typically, mom and pop type shops okay. that are doing, let's say, between one and four hundred IVF cycles uh, a year. Then there, that's the sort of the one bucket. Then there's the the big league people, big league players, the ac- usually academically affiliated players that are doing somewhere between two thousand and five thousand cycles a year. And then there's the middle ground people, and we f- fall into that uh, bucket, you know, doing about a thousand cycles a year. So last year uh, we did. A little over a thousand cycles mostly of egg freezing okay. um, and then a small amount of ivf um but it is growing egg freezing is growing yeah. IVF is growing i mean it's all uh, for better or worse people people are working on their fertility right and
0: are you like seeing younger great. women coming in as well to freeze
2: <laughs> totally yeah okay. i mean i think again uh with egg freezing it's a newer thing and it's kind of a uh, this is actually one of the founding principles of extend is that someone who wants to think about freezing her eggs is not the same sort of person as someone who is struggling with infertility. And so to, to give them what they need is a different product, so to speak, uh, than what an infertility patient needs. Um, and so before, I think, five years ago, let's say, egg freezing wasn't something people really had ever heard of much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, generally very expensive, and it still is pretty expensive, but we can talk about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so it was more a thing that uh, some women were hearing about in panic mode where they sort of either went to an OBGYN or somehow talked to a friend who was doing IVF and we sort of had this you know kind of holy bleep you moment. You can swear on here. <laughs> That's allowed.
1: <laughs>
0: I want um, you to. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: shouldn't draw it out of me. Um, but yeah sort of a panic moment of, of I'm getting older and I'm worried that that what what, what this is gonna look like and and, uh, um, and it, be, it, it was typically a reactionary move of, uh, I got to do something to hold on to my fertility. And that was sort of the late 30s and 40s type picture. But Mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot more women coming in and they're young and mid-30s uh, to say, I don't know if I'm going to need these eggs, I'm not quite sure, like, I got to get my life together and, like, I don't quite know what that looks like. Right. But I know that this is important to me and I know that, that uh, I might need these later and so yeah. this is a smart thing for me to do.
0: That's so interesting that you point out the panic mode versus now being more proactive. And I think that that's definitely what I've noticed too in talking to people is yep. that yep. it's happening a lot more. Well, it seems like things are going well. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. expanding Busy, your facility. Yeah. and. Okay, so I want to talk about when I first met you. I had to look up some of the things on my calendar and just dates because I feel like, oh, the other thing I was going to say was sitting in the waiting room, I definitely had PTSD. Like I started feeling like super, is that common, do you think, for women that have Uh, gone through this? I don't know if I'll ever get over it.
2: It's one of those sort of special places in the universe that have a special kind of pain associated with them.
0: Yeah, like the second Um, I walk, I mean, you're, Space is beautiful. Everyone was so nice, but I was just like, "Oh my God, I'm back here again," and it like brought this rush of
2: feeling of like inadequacy and sort of fear. And I mean, we try to keep that to minimum in our waiting room, but I think there's something very as yeah, say better. And just
0: looking at all these women, like I'm on the other side now, thank God. But looking at all these women that are here to either freeze their eggs or have a retrieval, and just thinking, "Oh my gosh, they're going through it right now. It's happening." You
2: recognize that.
0: I know. I'm getting all like... So anyway, I looked it up. And I think my first appointment at your old place where we first met was in 2014 Mm -hmm. in July. So I had just turned 40. And I remember I came in as kind of like a broken woman. (laughs) I came in by myself. That I don't remember. (laughs) Um, It took... Yeah, (laughs) I don't expect you to remember. But inside I was dying. And it took me a while to get my husband to agree to even see somebody to see a specialist you know we had been trying on our own it wasn't happening um i had had four miscarriages up at that point and i remember somebody had recommended your facility and i made an appointment and came in by myself and didn't know what to expect and met you and i remember you said i gave you kind of the rundown and you drew, like, I think maybe you did a sonogram? Yep.
1: Usually, Is that yeah. normal for the yeah, first? That okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then
0: you drew something on a piece of paper and you're like, everything actually looks pretty good. You've yep. got a lot of eggs. Yep, you were
2: an egg superstar uh, Do you remember back, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> egg superstar, your, yeah. okay. Oh.
0: No, and you said you're kind of the perfect candidate for IVF. Yeah. And I didn't get, like, a salesy vibe from you at all. Yep. I mean, I trusted your word. So I remember leaving that appointment feeling very optimistic. Um, and then it took a while f- for me to get Vince my husband on board because sure. I think I looked at my calendar so that was in July my next appointment wasn't until like October okay. so I think it <laughs> took him it took the summer yep. for me to yep. convince him that yep. we were going to do and then I do remember also he came in and met I don't know if it was with you or somebody in the finance department sure. but he had a not so great meeting okay and it was because of the money yeah. it was just, you know, I had left with some paperwork and said, I think it will cost X, Y, and Z. And then he came in and got maybe like a different version of that story. So let's talk about that a little bit. I think that's common for people is like the money is scary and a lot of people are paying out of pocket. And finally, you know, he kind of, I convinced him, you know, let's just try it one round. So I finally convinced him to do one round, but it was still totally out of pocket none of it was covered for yeah, us so yeah. how do you guys deal with like the finance aspect of it and like assuaging people's fears and yeah. concerns yeah i mean i
2: think i think there's probably a, a bunch of layers but probably one of the most important layers is, is you've already sort of alluded to which is the transparency element people hate the i think it's this and then all of a sudden yes. there's like this add on and that add on and that extra and and so i think we actually really strive to make transparency one of the core values of the practice here but mm-hmm. also of the way the business aspect of it is run so like if you go to the extent fertility website we literally like have a a cost sheet of how much things cost right. which is normal for like most things in life that you pay for mm-hmm. but not normal if you go you know click around to most uh, IVF uh, centers websites you don't get like a yeah. fee schedule. I remember
0: him saying that it, he felt like it was like a car dealership yeah. where it was like but if you want the you know right. testing right. it's right. going to be 5000 so, more so,
2: so yeah so the the, the transparency is one and, and, the, and, and that is deeply connected to the add-on mm-hmm. aspect of you know I mean almost that bait and switch feel of like the core cost is this but if you really want to do well you're gonna to have to pay this extra and that extra right um so so a lot of it is just like again treating people like humans like you'd want to be treated in the sense of like talking straight and and yeah. just even if it's painful but like this is what it costs and just lay it out there and then the other aspect is is really i think an attitude towards and this is a larger point but an attitude towards how we look at the uh, really you know there's a fertility is a big business there's a lot of money being spent in it mm-hmm. um, and I think historically and this is one of the reasons again I think that uh, motivated me to try a new model uh, even though I was in a good place and a, in, in a good position
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is that historically fertility has been seen as a luxury thing for people who can afford it mm-hmm. and for people who can't it's a luxury and not everyone gets to you know sort of drive a Mercedes or, or, or stay in a five-star hotel and so mm-hmm. there has not been a, a big emphasis on thinking about uh, keeping costs lower than they need to be and so at the end of the day uh, there's a pretty high margin in IVF in most places and so uh, if you philosophically take a stance that you're okay taking a smaller margin presenting it as a less luxury uh, price point there's room to play around with that. Mm-hmm. And so for example, when the egg freezing is the best uh, best example for us, because that's what we, most of what we do, which mm-hmm. is that, and also egg freezing, by the way, is something that is even more, as you would imagine, price sensitive, right? Because someone like yourself was, you were super motivated to do IVF if you could make it happen. right? An egg freezer has lots of ambivalence about freezing their eggs. They okay. kind of want to do it, but they're like, not sure, do I need it? And what's yeah. it? like psychologically, it's a it's a heavy thing. Anyway, long story short is that, you know, we, we opened this place at the very beginning of 2017 doing procedures. The nation, national leaders in egg freezing volume, at that time, were doing about four or 500 cycles of egg freezing per year. Okay. Last year, we did over 1,000. So we were like far ahead mm. of the national leaders in volume. Mm-hmm. And we're like a new place, a private practice, not affiliated specifically with an academic medical center. And so I think, you know, not to toot our own horn, although I guess I am, but my point is just that <laughs> probably the number one reason why what what has fueled our growth is that we're charging a lot less than what most people charge for egg freezing. Okay. We still have room to have a viable business mm-hmm. in there. Uh-huh. But it's sort of a philosophical choice that, like, we don't want to just charge what we can charge. Right. Um, we want to charge what uh, we think is sort of fair to have a viable business, but, um, but not necessarily more than that.
0: And right. So it's an I attitude thing. One of the things that I really like about you just as a person is that you are human being. And like you said, you know, you try to make this a more humanistic experience. So what do you, I'm sure you've seen everybody come in in all states of, you know, panic mode and preemptive mode and broken inside and lots of tears probably. So how do you deal with patients who are kind of not sure if someone comes in and wants to know about egg freezing, they're not sure. Do you kind of read The room and see what they're feeling, or do you like try to convince them to do it? Or what's your take on that? So,
2: I think uh, reading the room is a great way of saying it, but I think I would, what I would even more crystallize that is that I think we trust, we try to see our patients as intelligent adults Mm -hmm. who are potential patients who we trust to absorb the information and then process it in a way that we are, our role is a as a teacher, meaning the doctor and my colleagues here, Mm -hmm. we're sort of in an educational role to lay out what we know about female female fertility and what we don't, Mm -hmm. uh, what we know about what test results mean, AMH testing, follicle counts, what uh, can we glean from that information and sort of to individualize the conversation and how that's limited, the imperfections of the test and and, uh, to what degree things are really accurate and predictive and whatnot. And I think we talk... A lot about statistics, you know. If you if you do egg freezing and you're free in your 36 and you freeze seven eggs, like what's that look like versus right. freeze 17 eggs, and and so I think it's actually quite uh, it's almost an academic exercise mm-hmm. to sort of try to uh, as close as we can to concretize. If you do this, this is what you should realistically expect. Right. Um, there's uncertainties around that, and you've got to be sort of on board with the reality, as as, as you could speak to as well as anyone, Ali, that, that fertility, biology in general, fertility is, is a wild ride. And there's totally. a lot of, uh, of, of, of things that can kind of go better or worse than you expect. But basically package it up in a way that's understandable to people and then trust them to choose not everyone has to freeze their eggs um but a lot of people it's a smart thing for them to do and yeah uh be their kind of hold their hand and be their expert guide right but but trust them to to be uh intelligent to process the information and make a good decision for them so give them what they need to sort of be armed to 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 make decisions yeah that's my attitude
0: i think a lot of people that are going through this do want numbers and statistics you know there's so much that's out of their control so i do remember and like i said I'll, i'll pull up an email as we get into my story a little bit further but you would say like, this is the percentage of this, and but then at the end you'd always say, but you never know because yeah. this is not yeah. a you know it's infertility it's a it's you know it is a wild ride, it's a kind of a crapshoot at the end of the day. So that always was comforting, but I was like, I like that you were keeping it real because it's true. You don't know. I That's, mean, there's so many factors that we still don't know like play a part in it.
2: For better or worse, I think I'm still playing the same you know yeah. playing the same game. That that sounds exactly like me. I mean, yeah, that, that is what I say is statistic. You can't do. You can't make smart, thoughtful choices without some sense of statistics. Right. But at the same time, you fool yourself. If you chase the statistics down, you know, no one's ever 60% pregnant, right? Like, it, it right. Just, the statistics only work in the abstract to think yeah. about... How to strategize smartly and how to allocate your resources, your time, your right. money, and your 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 efforts and your tolerance for mm-hmm. the misery. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, but at the end of the day, we always cap that with you know uh, I like saying luck eats eats the statistics for lunch. You know, every day of the yeah. week, and it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so. totally.
0: So back to our story. So we, I think I started going through all the drugs and everything in March of twenty fifteen. And I do want to pull up. I have a couple of screenshots of emails that I found because I did email you a lot and you responded a lot. And I was like, all right, I like this guy. And I did want to ask you, because I've said this over the years, I felt like I was getting such good one on one treatment. But then in retrospect, I think it was like, oh, he does a." to all of his patients because that's your job Okay, i like you you, more than ever but but you made me feel really (laughs) special and i was like i think we have like a really good rapport like he like answers my emails quickly and i don't know whatever you did and i think also i had this thing where it was just like i needed someone to swoop in and be the savior and i had you kind of on a pedestal that in that way Is, is that common or am I totally no, weird for I saying think, that?
2: No, you're not weird at all. And I think, <laughs> I mean, for better or worse, because it's not an easy place for, you know, me or any other doctor to stand. But, yeah, yeah, I think people kind of, you want to feel like your doctor is like, you know.
0: Right. The shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You, you score. Um, yes.
2: Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I
0: mean, I, he, I remember thinking, like, this guy is so great. And, like, but it was also, like, he's going to be the one to change everything you know I was so desperate at that point and um, it was almost like a God syndrome for lack of a better term (laughs) like it was just like there was a lot of pressure on you behind the scenes Um, so one of the emails that I sent you in March of 2015 was Hi, Dr. Klein. Would it be okay to go into a hot tub spa situation this weekend? If there's any sort of risk involved, I won't do it. But my husband bought me a gift certificate, and this would be the only time I might use it. Welcome
2: to the inbox of a fertility doctor, by the way.
0: But you wrote back and you said, totally okay. Won't hurt anything. Enjoy, Jay. (laughs) Which is, like, funny. So, anyway, I started, I was going through the process. And as you might recall, I only had, it was, like, my one shot. Yep. Do you remember any of the, like, specifics about, or I guess in general, somebody that was in my situation? So I was 40 years old. I had, like, a pretty good egg reserve. Do you remember, like, medically, kind of what was going on in your mind as as I was your patient?
2: Yeah, well, you you, you uh, mentioned that I used something like a phrase that you're the perfect candidate. Yeah. What i quite sure that I was talking about was the fact that, you know, I the model that I usually lay out for, for patients in terms of how to think about age and and, uh, how age impacts fertility and why it's sort of the number one factor in the conversation, is that age essentially has two dimensions uh, with regard to fertility, specifically through the eggs. It affects egg quality and Mm it affects egg quantity. Mm -hmm. And so most women, as they get older, both of those things are happening to them. They have a lower percentage of healthy eggs and their sort of pile of eggs is shrinking. Mm And so the, the double whammy of age is that you don't, as you get older, you don't have a lot left and what you do have is mostly not gonna work.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but for you, you were one of those outliers where you were 40, so you were old enough that, that we know we just have to accept the reality that most of your eggs are not healthy. Mm-hmm. That's true for any 40 year old. But you were uh, lucky in the sense that your egg supply was, was way above average. Mm. And so point being, you did your IVF and you got 29 Nine. eggs um that's super duper awesome like Great. way above average an average number for a 40 year old is more like 10 okay something like that um and so it, this crapshoot situation right if, if you are looking for the one in you know 10 or maybe one in eight eggs that are going to be healthy mm-hmm. um if you get like 10 shots at it it's a quite dicey if you get 30 shots at it it's mm-hmm still not a, a, at all of a slam dunk but your right. odds are just much better yeah and so uh and you pay the same rate and you take the same drugs and some right. people it's nothing they did wrong but they're going to get 10 or some people will get you know five or three and they're really their back is against the wall but yeah. you, for you there was a lot more reason to be optimistic because right. we, we can expect we were going to get a good number and we can see that even before your retrieval we knew that your egg supply was good and so that typically makes us predict you'll get a good number of eggs.
0: Okay, what about the whole notion of like quality versus quantity? Like some people are so psyched, you know, I got 30 whatever yeah. eggs yeah. and then some people get five but they're really good ones. Do you have a, a take on that?
2: So I do. I guess what I would say is that every human comes from just one, right? We. You and I and, and every, right. everyone out there, and so at the end of the day, qu- quantity um, is subservient to quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, in the in the casino, that is the IVF world. Um, <laughs> the you, casino, if you're, if you're, I it's, love it. It's,
0: it's true. <laughs> I got married in Las Vegas. You. So there you go. It all it's in, comes in, full in, circle. In
2: theme. Oh, you can lose your shirt or you can go home big. I don't <laughs> know. The, the analogy works, right? So, uh, in the casino, that is the fertility mm-hmm. world. Uh, it's just a lot more comfortable and if you're again sort of strategizing to think about odds and chances and, and resource allocation if if we can tell you you're someone who's gonna have a lot of eggs and, and that you're that you're gonna have a lot of, uh, of, of, of chances to find a good egg that's a lot better place to be than someone who we can expect right. is gonna have much fewer having said that a 30 year old who doesn't have a lot of eggs mm-hmm. is still gonna be a pretty good prognosis person for IVF because even with let's say five eggs if she has a very low egg supply uh, but there should be at least two or three or four good ones in that group of five. Right. Or a 45-year-old, even if she can make 25 eggs, which would be an incredibly high number, it's still not a great prognosis that she's even even, even sure. have one good one in that, yeah. in that
0: batch. Yeah. Do you have a limit to how many cycles somebody will do when you're doing IVF? Is there like a There's, personal thing for you? Because I've talked to people who've done 8, 10, yeah. 12 rounds. I mean, is there...
2: So no, I don't have a rule. I try not to have too many rules because uh, rules, you know, I think, uh, back us into corners that generally don't feel uh, like the comfortable or even the right place to be. Right. I mean, I think that that I usually fall back on on studies and statistics, and so typically, the for someone who's doing IVF, the first three attempts, mm-hmm. the independent odds of success are going to be about even for try number one, try number two, try number three. Right. The odds of success for trying number four, five, six are decreased but not, like, erased. After six tries, the chance of success really gets very low, no mm-hmm. matter what the story is. Okay. And so that has to be a case-by-case. Case. I mean, I met a patient yesterday, for example, who has done seven IVF cycles, eight IVF cycles actually, the second of which she has a baby from. So okay. seven failures, one successful. Yeah. And she uh, did them all in one place but is sort of running out of... The drive to keep trying, right. and so it was a hard conversation to give her the right advice. But uh, I, I'm on board. I mean, there's obviously some details there, but I'm on board with the idea of her trying in a different lab than she's tried before, with a different sort of approach. Um, and I think that that's, or that I still believe that she has a realistic chance of success, even though she's had seven failures before. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's always case by case. Mm-hmm. try to stay away from rules, yeah. Um, but also, we don't want. I think it's also my job, the doctor's job, to say, I think we have to go in a different direction and when right. you get to that point. It's, it's the hardest conversation, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, break some but, hearts, but probably, it, that, sometimes. Know, totally. Have um, you told
0: people, you know, we're going to stop? Absolutely. You have? Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, like we said, I got 29 eggs at my retrieval, and then we did do, is it the PGD testing? Is that what it's called? Uh, okay.
2: Formally they've changed the... Uh, the nomenclature it's now called PGTA.
0: Okay. pgta uh, PGT what does that mean?
2: is pre-implantation genetic testing. Okay. And there's um, basically two main versions of PGT. There's PGT-A, which is for, A is for aneuploidy, which is the generic version of testing embryos to see if they have the right number of chromosomes, which is what you did. Right. Then there's PGT-M. PGT-M is a special category of people who know they carry a genetic disease that they don't want to hand down to a child. And so the M is for monogenic, or mono, like one, genic, like a gene monogenic diseases so someone who let's say uh, has the gene for cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. um, or I should say two people who do mm-hmm. uh, they can do PGTM to filter out which embryos inherited the bad genes and which ones did not okay so your PGTA you but we used to call that right. PGD or PGS
0: okay so we ended up testing five embryos for me I have I actually have the paper I no want kidding. To show kidding if you don't mind I want you to talk me through this because this is the this was the results oh, and wow. I just found this recently so it's like a, an artifact. Can you read it? It's, it's, got like a very it. Small it's got my name on it. Got my name on it. It's
2: Got your name on it. That's you. Um, that's us. Yeah.
0: So it's five uh, embryos. Yeah, there are five right? embryos Can here. you talk me through Absolutely. just kind of each one?
2: Yeah. So so your little guy, Sonny. Right.
0: right but Is, actually, spoiler alert to the listeners: we didn't. I didn't find out the gender, and I want to. Ta- I'm going to talk about that at the end because you had a oh, very wow. cute way of telling me.
2: I don't remember so Okay, I'll show it me. to you. Okay. You had a
0: very cute email you sent me to tell me because I didn't want to know the gender even after we did the transfer until we knew that it was going to be viable so
2: all right now i'm curious yeah so um, essentially these reports typically come out um with a number which corresponds to the number of chromosomes Mm -hmm. there's only one right number which is 46 and so Mm -hmm. any other number is going to be an abnormal or an unhealthy embryo that does not have a chance of resulting in a healthy baby okay um and so you have four out of five that were abnormal right you have a uh, one that was 45 chromosomes it was missing chromosome number two 16 and 19 so the way it works is that essentially every human cell has 46 chromosomes mm-hmm. there are really 23 pairs there's a maternal sort of side and a paternal meaning from your father and from your mother right. and so chromosomes are numbered one through 22 and then there's an x or a y uh, or if you're a female it's two x's if you're a male it's an x and a y uh-huh. and so uh embryo number one here um, has 45 total chromosomes, meaning missing one. It actually mm-hmm. is missing two, but it has a it was missing number two and number 16. It also had a third copy of 19, so the net is that it's missing one, but that has three mm. sort of errors. Uh, the second embryo has uh, 47 chromosomes with a plus 16. Uh, that's a trisomy 16, mm-hmm. an additional chromosome 16. Embryo number three is another one with 45 chromosomes it had missing number two and number nineteen, but it had an additional number twenty-two. Mm-hmm. So the net is that it's missing one, but uh, again right. an abnormal one. And then, so th- I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. the fourth one had forty-seven chromosomes, with is trisomy nineteen. Um, and actually, all of those embryos were all XX; they're all female embryos. All
0: females, uh, yeah. So what? Those all would have likely been miscarriages.
2: Those almost for sure would yeah. have been miscarriages. Yes. Okay.
0: Is there a or or, um,
2: or non-implantation being I mean failed transfer, or they wouldn't have negative tra- pregnancy tests? Yeah. Okay.
0: No. So does it, is it likely? Because I had never had a couple of my miscarriages. I think were chemical pregnancies pretty early on. I never had a DNC. I never you know mine were all within like under the eight week range. Yeah. I never had like a what is it called when you get the test to see what not an autopsy, but, like, to figure so out check, what went...
2: check, uh, yeah, the, the, to the, analyze the... To analyze, yeah, yeah.
0: I never had that done, so we never knew. But is it likely that that was what was had been happening? is yep. it was just abnormal? I mean,
2: uh, in general, without seeing this, right. just by virtue of age, that's the most likely explanation. Right. And then okay. this sort of uh, brings it out into the open. Okay.
0: So then Sorry. let's talk about number thir- embryo number 13, the yeah. final, the S- fifth one. So
2: that's, that's, that's your guy. So oh, he is 46, which is, which is the right number, and he was an XY. Uh, and so oh my nice god! Normal male. And so, you That's know, yeah, you so couldn't, wild. couldn't script this with more drama, uh, right? Uh, I mean, it was four
0: girls and a little sunny. Yeah, yeah. So I remember getting these results, and then I'm going to read another quick email from <laughs> you, and I because w- I was like, "What does this mean?" Yeah. And you wrote and said, "Hi, Allie. So I was obviously slightly disappointed. We only got one normal one, but to give things some context, I won't read this whole email because it's long. But basically, mm-hmm. you're giving me the statistics. Yeah. The expectation for normal percentage at your age would have been 40%, which would have been two out of five rather than one out of five. So I would say it's disappointing, but not shocking. And then you said, that said, this one has a 60 to 65% chance of sticking and leading to an ongoing pregnancy. So I feel pretty good about that, not a slam dunk, but we're on the good side of a 50-50 bet back to the Vegas theme. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, again. So that, like again, it was like the whole thing, and I think people listening will relate to this, is there's, it's such a roller coaster, right? Totally. You get good news and then yep. bad news and then good news. And so it was like kind of bad news that I only had the one. But then when you said 60 to 65, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. That actually is kind of you're good news. you on the
2: right side, yeah. That's...
0: So it just goes back to the whole thing. So then one other thing that I thought was great was that you had said that you wanted to be the one to do my transfer. Yeah. And I, I was, again, like I was like, okay, <laughs> I feel very special. that's yes. So what was your thinking about that? Uh, like it's just
2: that I, whenever I can, I mean, you are very special. Okay? <laughs> um, but I would say that is usually, almost always my yeah. uh, very strong preference for transfers. Okay. You know, retrievals, as you know, happen any day, happen any day of the week. It's right. nearly impossible for any human to be doing all their patients' retrievals. Right. Um, but transfers, uh, you can sort of schedule if you're doing a medicated transfer. Um, and I think at the end of the day, the transfer is, there's a little bit of nuance to the kind of the gentleness and the, your methodology. And But the truth is... I think I'm, you know, pretty good at it, so I trust myself. Yeah. But so is a lot. So are a lot of other people. It's right. not that you couldn't have had someone else who who was probably just as good. Um, but I think psychologically, you know, I really do. Uh, this is just my style, I, and probably too much. But I get. You use the word in one of your early in the in the first podcast, uh, and I, I I heard myself when you're using. The, I get very invested in in my mm. patients because I'm I just feel like we're right there together. We're holding hands and we're, we're arm yeah. in arm and and like we're fighting this fight. And so I want to be the one. I want to be the one that you know. If it's good, I want to be be the one that's part of that. And right. if it's not good, I, I I want to own that. I want it on my shoulders. And yeah. so you know, I don't obviously not everyone sticks. And, and right. so that's that's just the reality of of the way the the game is played. But I think it feels better to me in both directions. When it's good, it feels better. And when it's bad, it feels better when okay. I know that like this is I gave. I give it my all uh, and and right. I can't think of what if and, and maybe, you know, this person or that person yeah. might I really try to kind of
0: own that. How do you keep it separate for yourself if you do have like a failed, you know, transfer or something doesn't yeah. take somebody that you're invested in? Like, do you go home feeling really badly about it Sometimes, or are you able to kind of separate? Yeah,
2: no, I think it, it, this is a larger theme for doctors in general, right? Like you want to be bond with your patients in a human way, but also right. you can't, you can't uh, sort of collapse at all, the sort of disappointments, and in every yeah. field of medicine, there are disappointments. Um, no, I think I think I actually allow myself to to get pulled up and pulled down with my patients, probably more than I should. Yeah, uh, my wife can probably speak to that uh, better than I could. But but uh, but yeah, I think there's, especially as as you gain years of experience and you sort of feel like you've been around the block a bunch of times, um, you know that uh, that your all is as good as like anyone else out there and that there's I think what you don't want is to feel like it should have been done better right um, but I think that I, I I feel you know comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. that like I don't think if I you know do a, a procedure an IVF uh, if it doesn't work I think that I don't Almost ever have a thought that someone else who did it differently could have could have, could have done a it better. Okay, better that's outcome. good. Yeah, um, maybe I'm wrong, but that's yeah. at least what I think. what I think, and I, I think that's
1: probably
0: right. Yeah. What do you think about all the not maybe like urban myths or things that people do after transfers, like eating the like McDonald's French fries or yeah. drinking Gatorade? Like, yeah. do you subscribe to all any of it. that stuff? Yeah, Lots all of it. French
2: fries, <laughs> Gatorade, pineapple.
0: Pineapple, yeah. exactly. That's
2: the your logo, right?
0: I, yeah, it is. It um, is. Yes. Yeah. No. I ate that core. <laughs> the shit out of that
2: core. <laughs> so my my true to sort of my my style i'm i'm not a big uh sort of doing other lifestyle stuff guy mainly just because i try to stick to the studies and the studies for most of these things are not very compelling that there's good data to support it Mm -hmm. on the other hand i'm also very i kind of try to be comfortable in knowing what we know but also recognizing we don't know everything mm-hmm. and so for, for I have lots of patients who do acupuncture, lots of patients who are taking DHEA or Coenzyme Q10 or different supplements, lots of patients who are eating pineapple cores and um, I certainly am not uh, mm-hmm. one of those sort of uh, on a mission to like weed out any non-scientific interventions mm-hmm. I think that um, there's enough uncertainty in a lot of these things that uh, I can be comfortable if someone is, is, is comfortable doing it uh, I'm totally with their with them supporting that, mm-hmm. I just don't know that I'm, you know, sort of of the mindset that I I, I don't uh, go out of my way to recommend people doing uh, a lot of the sort of other holistic stuff. Yeah, and part of it, truth be told, is that there's also a resource allocation question, right? Like mm-hmm. people only have a certain amount of hours in the day and dollars in their pocket, and so right. uh, at some point, I'd rather them be uh, spending their resources on things that I can feel confident are are, right. are productive. And I worry a little bit that they're, you know, using that that account on things that might
0: not be too productive right right okay so as we know from my story i did get pregnant yes that was wild yes. i was so i had gone to florida on vacation i remember i came back got the blood work and the nurse said go home and take a nap and i was like like i could sleep right now are you kidding <laughs> me but then i remember they called back and she was like congratulations call us when you deliver and i was like i like dropped the phone i was like i was so shocked and surprised yeah can i tell you a secret (laughs) what (laughs) about you oh god Uh, no
2: i generally try to call every negative and i usually don't call the positives why because the positives i feel like i i uh uh celebrate the positives with uh, there's something maybe it's i don't know a thing about me personally i i almost feel uh I'd rather give people space to celebrate the positives. I like the nurses participating in that. Yeah. Um, I, I let the positive...
0: You don't uh, want to, to be like be, braggadocious yeah, about think, it and be like, I, I, I did it. <laughs> I, I
2: am, yeah, I celebrate the positives in my own way and my own, but right. I, I feel better giving the patient space, giving the nurses an opportunity to participate in that. Oh, the negatives, interesting. they just suck. And like, yeah. I, I try never to let a negative get called right. by anyone by my, oh, the,
0: that's good. me. Yeah.
2: So yeah, well I shouldn't tell that people because now they know when the call comes. Or well, to, I yeah. think people know that anyway. <laughs> yeah, when the
0: doctor calls, right. it's probably it's, not it's, awesome. It's not great, yeah. So a couple months, or maybe like f- four weeks into my pregnancy, I had gone out to LA. I was interviewing some actress for a magazine. Yeah. I won't name her name but we went on a hike and I don't know if you remember this, but it was another email. We went on this crazy hike where I was interviewing her while we were hiking and it was super hot. We didn't, she like didn't want to stop for water. And I was like, oh my, I was getting so nervous because I was like, we're going to kill this baby. (laughs) I mean, that was my thought. And I remember because your hormones too are like crazy. So I remember I came down from the hike, drove her home, went to like a Ralph's parking lot, like the grocery store and just had like a panic attack in the parking lot, went in, got like a huge bottle of water, and then I emailed you, (laughs) of course. And I said, hike, question was the subject. I said, hi, so I just did this work hike and it was way harder than I thought it would be. I was literally panting, the hike was at 1.5 hours up and down hills and now I'm freaking out, hoping for some reassurance or advice, thanks. And you wrote right back, it was like five minutes later, and you said, I'm about a hundred times less worried than you are. Just make sure you drink and take it easy the rest of the evening. But I'm really not too concerned. Wow. That's and that awesome. was so nice. I was like, okay. So that was another moment yeah. where yeah. I just want to thank you for like being so yeah. amazing it's about cool it It's cool to hear the backstory here. I know. I, had had a look, know. I looked it all up because I remember <laughs> I was like, I'm sure I was so annoying to you yeah. that I emailed so much. But like, as you know, you're so desperate and yeah. Yeah. any bits of information... You know, we're helping. It is um, gratifying.
2: You know, I, I I, didn't, I do not remember that email. I'm, I'm sure I didn't. Think I'm shocked about it. you don't have
0: it framed on your yeah, wall. <laughs> That's Jeez. right. Uh,
2: but, you know, realistically, uh, I probably didn't think about it for like the minute after I sent it. But to you, that was like. But I
0: love that you said I'm 100 rewarding. times. Yeah, less concerned. Like that I was think, such a great thing to hear. I think it's
2: important for us to, when we can, be this sort of arm around your shoulder. And like, yeah, and, and, and when 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 we, you know, I don't think we should reassure you about things. We shouldn't reassure you, but the, but there are opportunities. I think that we don't always take to say we know what we're talking about. Right. We know you're worried, and we can sort of like right. take it on the chin for you. I'm not worried. You don't worry. Right. I'll tell you when to worry, and this is not it. And yeah. And, uh, people I think... It's so scary uh, though. You know, after going through... a million places to be scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. And I don't think that I ever was able to fully relax throughout the whole pregnancy. I'm
2: not surprised. Which
0: I think is probably pretty common. Yeah. So I want to show you one last thing which I said earlier. But so I told you that we didn't want to find out the gender until we had I think our 12-week scan or something. Yep. And you... I was like, I know that you know it. So can you send me an email but can you send it as an attachment because I don't want to accidentally open it. I want to like open it with my husband. Okay. So I'm going to show you what you sent to me. (laughs) So I'll put, I'll put this on my social media too, but it was, it says keep calm it's a boy.
2: Cuz that was like, I didn't realize I'm so cute. I know
0: and I was like wow. <laughs> you,
2: you obviously were special. I wasn't making memes for, you uh, did it? for everybody. I no, knew that's, it. That's that's that's, I knew that's it. not my standard. I didn't just yes. pull it out of my, you know, Well, uh, I'm desktop. so glad
0: you weren't just like <coughs> boy, period. You know, like right. it was like you made a graph or you found a graphic yeah. and I wrote back yeah. and I was like I did say like, "Oh my God, you're so creative!" And you were like, "Well, I can't take credit for the sign. Google Images gets oh, that's the credit. You
2: see, I didn't make it, but at least I found it. <laughs> or at
0: least you found it." And you're like, "You're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. Please keep in touch." Yeah. So, and then I got to send you the email when Sonny was born in December, and that was great.
1: So, yeah, totally happy
0: ending. Much thanks to you.
2: I did. So my job. Yes. And uh, that's going back to the other part is that you, you know I think patients want to have a great doctor, yeah. we want to do a great job, yeah. and then we both have to be able to sleep at night, meaning we, the doctor and mm-hmm. the patient, knowing that we both gave it our all. And like, yeah. that's what it's all about. And, and, and after that, you know, there's a lot of it that's out of our hands, but, but we can make smart choices, we can, uh, again, use data to sort of... Right. Uh, and, and the latest technology to try to... we do everything to stack the odds in your favor, and then we, like, let go. And, yeah. And, and, and we both have to do
0: that. Totally. And, and that I mean, I think there's some magic game. involved as well. I do. I think there's, there's... something... I don't want to give you all the credit. Beyond us. I, I'm taking <laughs> only magic a teeny-weeny bit. Yeah, of, you know, absolutely. I just, I
2: just didn't screw it up, I guess. Right.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, but thank so, you. Uh, I just want to thank uh, you in person you for, for giving us our son. I mean, uh, he is a maniac. What... <laughs> oh, and my husband wanted me to ask you. He said, because I think when you graded the embryo, it was like 6AA.
2: 6AA. Either or whatever it was like yeah, i think yeah
0: like it was like near perfect yeah. and then he's like well then ask him why at almost four years old he's still not sleeping through the night <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's you gotta
2: have the long view on that i mean okay. speaking as a father like yeah, yeah these kids will they'll, they're gonna <laughs> give you a run for your money yeah, no yeah. Doubt. that's a it's a good sign it I Is i tell myself that is
0: it okay i'll <laughs> yes. take your word
2: for it no, all right. it's, a, it's a privilege to be involved.
0: Well, thank in you your so much for talking to and, me and, and
2: all of. And this is a really cool job. I'm very blessed. to, yes, to, to do this. for You're a living. so good
0: um, at it. Well, I can you. vouch. Thank you. I appreciate yes. it.
2: Yes. Well, thank you. Well, you're good at this. Thank you. Things.
0: I but, thought I was going to cry, but I didn't. Hey, again, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Joshua. I, whew, I thought that was going to be so much tougher for me than it was. I was so nervous and also really excited, and I was just a little nervous that I was going to get all these PTSD feelings back because those never truly go away. As a lot of you guys know, I did say that a little bit that in the waiting room I started to feel a little uneasy, but I thought I was going to be like sobbing through the whole conversation. So. I'm glad that I didn't do that because that would have been hard to hear and understand. But anyway, thanks again to Josh. And if you guys want to check out extend fertility, it's a really great practice. So you can check them out online. And I just want to thank you guys for listening. And I hope if anybody right now is sitting in a waiting room, they're not feeling that anxiety, but I know you probably are. So just know that I've been there. You're not alone there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So if you need to reach out to me, I'm always available at infertileafstories at gmail.com. Or you can DM me, go follow me on Instagram at infertileafstories. And I will see you guys next time. Thanks.